if the season were to start today, somewhere in the third week of July, what would the Montreal Canadiens lineup look like? One guy who's been following them for a while. As a matter of fact, he's a former scout with the Montreal Canadiens. He has his opinion. He's going to give his lineup. I'll give mine, and then we'll talk about it. I can't wait. Grant McCagg of Recruits.ca is coming up right here on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinaro. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinaro. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. With all the players the Montreal Canadiens have on their contract, especially at the forward position, does Uri Slavkowski start the season in Montreal? And is there a veteran who's actually in danger of not being a starter? We'll take a look at it. But before we do, it's brought to you. The Sick Podcast is by 8.6 Beer, of course. Intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And Lacage, if the last time you went to Lacage was when it was called Lacage au Spar. Remember that? Well, then it's time you go back to Lacage because the menu will surprise you. Uh, he joined me about a week ago to um, talk about the Canadians drafting Uri Slavkowski. Prior to that, he had joined me uh, probably about a couple of weeks before the draft, and he told us here on the Sick Podcast that Uri Slavkowski should be the Montreal Canadiens' number one pick and in the end, he was, and he told everyone that Shane Wright was not in his top three. He was number four, and guess what? He was right about that as well. So now, seeing as he's been hot and he's been right been right very often over the last uh, three weeks or so, let's see if he can guess the lineup. We bring him in. He's Grant McCagg, former Montreal Canadian scout with Recruits.ca. What's going on? Hey, Tony. Just uh, ready to let you know, like, tell you what's what here get, get uh, you, you listen i can't wait to get your opinion on this uh, <laughs> i was so excited for you i put conditioner in my hair before the show and i'm ready to go <laughs> i don't need to do that i'm good what? okay well maybe if you put conditioner your hair will grow you never know but i doubt it uh, listen all right so um jeff petrie's been traded uh so has ryan paling uh, Michael yeah. Matheson has been acquired on defense. We'll take a look at the defense, but for the most part, I'm interested in taking a look at the forward lines because everyone wants to know, is Uri Slavkowski going to start the season in Montreal? And with guys like Hoffman and Drouin and Dadanov on the team as wingers, not to mention Gallagher and Anderson, a lot of people are wondering, where does Hoffman fit in? Where does Drouin fit in? Some believe that one of the two might not have a spot in the lineup if the season were to start today. So I ask you, and I think you put it on Twitter. Let's bring it up. Habs forward depth. Suzuki in between Caulfield and Slavkowski. Kirby Doc with Drouin and Anderson. Dvorak with Dadanov and Gallagher. Evans with Pitlick and Armia, 
The extras are Pazetta, Yelonen, Hoffman, Byron, who's on the IR, and Raphael Harvey-Pinard, in your opinion. Now, of course, these are not set in stone, and these are not Marty St. Louis lines, or maybe they are. So this is the way you see it today, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I was just, you know, you got, you got to put names somewhere, right, when you're trying to show the forward depth. And, uh, I mean, that's that's the lines I'd look at to start the year. And, you know, I mean, it, it seems like every year things get jumbled in Montreal. They don't last for long. So, you know, that those are the lines to start the season maybe. And, uh, I mean, a lot will depend on what Slavkoski does in training camp, obviously. Well, and I was just going there because, look, when they drafted him, the first thing that came to everyone's mind is Suzuki, Caulfield, and Slavkowski will be together for a decade. It has all the makings of a very good line. Having said that, Uri Slavkowski is A, 18 years old, B, it would be his first year in the National Hockey League, C, it's Montreal, and there's a lot of pressure uh, to perform and whatnot. And um, it's a big step in the National Hockey League at 18 years old, playing on a number one line, probably getting about 17 minutes a game, going up against another team's shutdown line. If, you know, going up against the team's first pairing on defense, Vinny LeCavalier said that he really loved the way Jacques Demers handled him because in his first season in the National Hockey League, as an 18-year-old, he played on the third line with some good veterans, and they brought him along slowly but surely, and he didn't feel that much pressure. I listened to that, and I think that if the season were to start today, if Slavkowski were to start the season in Montreal, he'd start on the third line. Yeah, that you know that that's entirely possible. I don't know that. I think it's going to... Uh, I think they're going to try him probably with those two in camp, you know, um, maybe an exhibition game or two. And if he struggles some, then yeah, I can see him starting or lowering the lineup if they light it up. Yeah. You know, I could see them. Uh, I think they'll try it, Tony, because yeah. he's, he's the ideal fit there. You know, Dadanov's not, not the ideal fit with Caulfield and him. You know, that's pretty, that's uh, not much size on the wings on the top line. It's something that you can use at home, home ice when you have the last sure. line change. But if you're on the road and you don't have the last line change, obviously it's not ideal. Look, Josh Anderson would be ideal for the line if Josh Anderson would play his best hockey every game. Unfortunately, that's not the reality. He struggles with consistency. Yeah, I, and I don't know that, you know, Anderson is a, I don't think he's a first line forward. You know, he doesn't, doesn't have the greatest vision. He kind of, I mean, he drives to the net. He doesn't always hit the net. He's not real accurate with his shot. Uh, he's inconsistent with his point producing. He's never got more than 40 points in a year. So ideally, you want someone with more uh, skill and vision uh, on the top line, better hands. And that's Lafkowski. I mean, I realize, though, you don't want to rush the kid. That's for sure. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, everyone will point back to Kakanyemi, too, and say, you know, look, you know, they put to, they put him in the lineup right away, and he didn't develop properly. You don't want him to lose his confidence, so they'll be careful with him, I think. And uh, a lot will ride on on how he looks in the exhibition games. I think. Yes. Having said that, you know and I know that exhibition 
it doesn't, you know, paint a true picture because veterans are coasting in preseason play. There's a lot of younger players. There's a lot of weaker players. And there are players who have come into Montreal, dominated the preseason before. The fans chanted their name. The media pushed for them to make the team. And then all of a sudden, you realize that a couple of months later, the reality was much different. Yeah, Latondres, I, I think maybe you're thinking of, you know. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Mike Ribeiro? Uh, Mike Ribeiro, yeah. There have been a few, in, you know, through the years. Um, certainly from a physical standpoint, though, I think, you know, Slavkowski is a different animal. And uh, none of those guys that were first overall picks either, right? So Correct. Um, I mean, he has the pedigree and the size and, and uh, I think the – the makeup, like the personality, the confidence to make the team and to play wherever, wherever they want him to play. Like, I mean, he proved that with Slovakia where yeah, he led the team in, in, in uh, ice time, Yeah, you know, against NHL players, like, uh, you know, all these other teams that he was playing against, um, you know, Canada and uh, Finland and that uh, they're all NHL players mostly. And he, I mean, he looked really good. So, uh, and and he wasn't playing with Caulfield and Suzuki either. So I, I'm really excited to see how they look. And I hope, and knowing Marty St. Louis and the way, you know, the way he moved him up to, uh, yeah. he moved Suzuki and Caulfield together almost right away. And he seems to get it, you know, when it comes to, you put your best, you, the guys with the most potential, you put them in offensive roles and, and you give them offensive players and you give them that opportunity. And that's a breath of fresh air in Montreal with the coaching, with the conservative coaching staffs that they've had before. You can follow the sick podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. And the beauty of it is you're going to be notified if we ever go live or if we upload an episode, let's bring back up grants picks for those who are following here on video. Okay. So I believe that if Slavkowski starts in Montreal, he'll start on the third line. He's not going to finish there, but I believe he'll start there. I believe what could happen is you could have Hoffman or Dadanov playing on that line on home ice and Josh Anderson playing on that line with Suzuki and Caulfield on the road. That's the way I could see it going down. That's my way of getting Hoffman in this lineup here because, look, let's face it, Hoffman has the upcoming year and another year after that um, under contract. They can still move him, but if he's going to be here, they're going to have to play him. So I think if you're going to have to play him, you don't want him on your third line because that might be somewhat of a shutdown line. He's not a defensively responsible player. Drouin wouldn't be on that line either because 200-foot game is not his strength either. So in Hoffman's case, you either put him on the number one line, I think, because I think Drouin will be on the number two line, or you put him on a number four line, which is a checking line, but with the thought process that he'll get much better matchups on that line and he could probably score a couple of goals. You see that? Yeah, that yeah, that makes sense, Tony. But I I, I find it hard to uh, envision Dadnov and Hoffman both being in the lineup. You know, 
They just, uh, I just don't know. They, they need a little more, especially with Pitlick too. I like Pitlick, but he's not overly big. And you already no. have Cockfield who's not big. Uh, I mean, they, I think they ideally want some size in there. And um, especially in the bottom six, I don't see him. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I mean, unfortunately, I don't know cap stuff that well. <laughs> and uh, whether a buyout would even be something that they would consider with Hoffman. With if Hoffman? They can trade him. I mean, Drouin becomes a candidate because he's got one year left. But at the same time, you would think that let's just say they hold on to Drouin and then you get to trade deadline day. Well, trade deadline day, if that's at the end of February, early March, and the season ends mid-April, the team that's going to acquire him is only going to have to pay him for about a month and a half. So uh, I believe that Jonathan Drouin will be dealt for sure. I don't know when, but worst case scenario at the very latest, trade deadline day. Uh, uh, I, I've been anxious to see how he'll play under uh, under Marty. I mean, uh, we saw the we saw the transformation in Caulfield's game when he got uh, when he got to play under Marty, and I'm I'm still holding out hope. I mean, what, what's he 25 or 26 now? I mean, that's when your prime is in the NHL. He's he's battled injuries and some uh, you know some other things in the last couple of years and stuff, but. I do believe he was leading the team in points per game when he got injured, you know, like he's still, uh, he's just, he's got so much skill and he's still, oh, that only, he does a hundred percent for sure. And he's yeah. still only 26. And I just, I, I don't know. I mean, if he comes back and, and he, you know, he plays well under, uh, Marty, I, I don't know that he'll be traded. I, uh, I mean, he can still be, uh, he can still help the power play immensely he's such a he's got such great edges and uh he can make such great plays i just uh i still hold out hope certainly more so than hoffman i think hoffman's on well, the, you know uh, hoffman's older and he's not going to get any better and i think yeah Drew can still there's still some untapped potential there so well that's listen, why I him. hoffman would be the guy because uh if you'd have to you know if you're thinking of trading one of the two saying you know what i can't have both those players on my team with all due respect to Hoffman, I mean, he's the guy that you want to trade because, like you said, he's older and he's not going to get better. Now, some will say that Drew won't get better either. And, and you know what? Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But, you know, you're right in saying he's much younger. There still is some untapped potential there. And he was leading the team in points when he went down with the injury. And as a matter of fact, I believe he was leading the team in points when he had suffered a broken wrist a couple of years before that in that game versus the Washington Capitals. So in his case, I mean, staying healthy is the biggest challenge. If he can do so, he does pick up points. You just have to learn to live with his warts. And his warts are that, you know, he's not going to bring it every night. But at the end of the year, if he's healthy, you'll like the amount of points that he picks up. I even didn't think his competitiveness uh, the last couple of years, uh, you know, I mean, not every game, like you say, that's just not him, unfortunately. But I think his all-around game, his competitiveness did pick up some. I've seen improvements in it, and uh, I, I'm just hoping that, you know, it's part of the maturity process. And he, he's got he's to realize that he's uh, this is the last chance with the Canadians, that's for sure. 
I'll tell you what I do like. Whether he plays with a six foot four Kirby Doc, who's probably going to, you would think, is going to be motivated to play his first season in Montreal and something to prove, and he'll thrive under Marty St. Louis too, you would think. And Josh Anderson's size and strength, and he and Anderson have a real good friendship. They've talked about it, of course. Um, if it's with Doc and Anderson, or it's with Dvorak, who plays a good 200 foot game to be able to compensate, and Anderson. Either or, there's the makings of a good line there. Yeah, good points. I mean, uh, he hasn't necessarily had big, uh, big line mates in it, you know, and all the combinations that they've tried him with, uh, yeah, in the past, you know, certainly a big center, you know, with, with Kirby Doc's uh, potential, it, he hasn't played with a center like Doc with the Canadians, not even close. So, I, and I'm and, and like I keep saying about. Marty, I just, you know, I, I just like the way that Marty thinks the game and, and how it's about concepts. And yeah. that, you know, and I think that, uh, that that's something that Drew I might thrive under. And I mean, uh, the potential is still there and I, I still maintain hope he's not gone. So you got to hope for the best for him. Yeah. Well, listen, when you say good points by me, uh, I'm not just another pretty face, you know, I'm more than that. Yeah, no. Yeah. All right. Who's going to lead the Canadians in points in the upcoming season? Well, it's something that you can put a dollar or two down on Betway for the love of the game. Sign up and deposit on Betway for a 100% deposit bonus. The easiest sports book for Canadians. E-transfers are accepted just like that. All right. Now, you didn't weigh in on Twitter on D, but how would you see the defense pairings if the season were to start right now? Yeah. Uh, right defense seems to be, you know, who's going to be the top pairing right defenseman. That's, that's the uh, big question right now. I, I, and I mean, I, you know, I, I do suggest in, in that tweet or at least another one, maybe that with the depth that they have, uh, maybe they, they do, uh, try to trade a couple of those wingers for, for a right defenseman, you know? Yeah. Um, that would make sense. Uh, if they can't Jordan Harris, as a freshman in college played on the top pairing in Northeastern on the right side. And he was excellent. Anytime he ever did play on the right side in Northeastern and Hughes and Gorton, I'm sure know all about this and saw a lot of it in Marty too, you know, Marty with his connections with, with the Northeastern too. Um, I, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if they are projecting him on the right side. Um, the defense partner would have to be Joel Edmondson. I don't know if it's the top pairing. I mean, that's a lot to ask for a kid to come in. Right. You know, yeah. um, but, uh, they also have what Weidman. So you uh, do it by committee. Right? You don't have to give one defense pairing the most right. minutes you can give your top two defense pairings. This, you know, very, very close amount of minutes. So let's say, for example, you can put Matheson with Savard. And you could put Edmondson with Jordan Harris. And then yeah. at that point, you can have Gooley with Schooneman or Weidman. Do they have Barry uh, Barron in there too? If they have Gooley and they have Jordan Harris and I don't know, do they, um, that would be three young defensemen. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to have at least two. I know a lot of people have been saying that they think it'll only be one, but the, the way things are shaping up, I think that they're, you know, maybe looking and exploring at having two. 
two young blue liners back there. And I mean, it, you know, it's not unprecedented by any means. Uh, um, the Rangers a couple of years ago, uh, Day Miller and uh, Schneider this year, you know, same age basically as those yeah. guys. They came in and they both, they're in the top six and they made, they made a good playoff run. So, I mean, uh, I, I think that Baron Gooley, uh, it's going to be such a, I mean, even, I'm not even counting out uh, Jack Eye and Fairbrother, uh, Madison Bowie's in the mix, Otto Leskinen. They brought back Otto Leskinen and he, yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> he showed signs that he could play in the NHL before. That He's a really nice puck moving defense. I'd be a little surprised. I mean, I, I think if you listen to them carefully, uh, Kent Hughes and Marty St. Louis are fans of Corey Schooneman. I think Schooneman will be in that lineup. They even talked about him when they talked well, about potential players playing on the right side as well. Uh, and, of course, Schooneman too. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, uh, there's there's probably 10 defensemen in the mix right now. How about this? Uh, How about a defense by committee? You have 7D and you have 11 forwards. Are you a fan? Yes or no? And I know it's all... Coaches don't aren't usually crazy about it. They like to roll three pairs of defense and like to roll four lines. And I know it's circumstantial. It all depends on what team and what personnel. But do you think it could work? Well, when you've got 15 forwards and five defensemen, it doesn't really make sense. You know, uh, you're, you're having a hard time getting six. So why would you go with seven when you've got... 15 legitimate NHL forwards, and then you go at 11. So, no, well, I'll tell you from, why. Just from the strength uh, point of view, I don't think that that works. Okay. So, let's say you have Matheson, that's one. You have Edmondson, that's two. You have Gooley, that's three. You have Harris, that's four. You have Savard, that's five. You had Wyman, that's six. You have Schooneman, that's seven. You could do it. Now, the reason why I bring it up, you know why. If you have 7D and you have 11 forwards, you're going to end up double shifting your best players. Yeah. But do you want to, you know, do you want your best players not playing with it? Like if your top line's clicking, do you want them playing with every line or do you want yeah, to? Teams, of course, teams, you, you know, don't start off this way and they see how it's going. And if they find if there's a shortage of goals and they don't really have chemistry with their lines, then they try and double shift their best players. That was actually more for Peter from Coach St. Luke than it was for me or you, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not a big seven defenseman. I played a lot of defense uh, growing up, and defensemen like to be out there. You know, yeah. Uh, when you got it's seven, more, you're not you're not yeah. getting as much ice time, and you know they're sharper. The more uh, and anywhere from fifteen to twenty minutes, they want to play that. And if you got seven defensemen, you don't have many of them that are playing. Uh, 15, 20 minutes. Speaking of my shirt of double shifting your best players, you can pick up our sick merchandise at sportbuffshop.com. Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. You can shop all of their sports licensed lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, T-shirts, and have your favorite teams of all major leagues. Uh, once again, you can follow us on all social media platforms. Grant, my final question to you, probably my final question. It's very easy. Do you like the Canadians on paper right now? And let's put things in context, right? Kent Hughes said it himself. I mean, they're not going to be going for a Stanley Cup. You know where I stand on this. 
I'm hoping that they're actually going to be pretty bad for three or four years. And then this way they can be able to, uh, you know, accumulate top five draft picks, maybe three, maybe four, five would be great. I think that's the big recipe to success and sustaining it in the National Hockey League. But um, do you like what you see? Do you like what Kent Hughes is building here? I think it's going to, I think it's going to be exciting team. They're going to score a lot of goals, but I also think they're going to let in a lot of goals this year. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if you're still doing the over-unders there, Tony, but I'd go over, you know, uh, a little more than I go under. I usually take overs of the first month of the season or the first month and a half for sure because defensive yeah. systems aren't uh, are still a little rusty at that point. And there's going to be a new defensive coach too. Don't forget, you know, there'll be yeah. a new defensive system having to be implemented. I mean, I love uh, Luke Richardson. I think I think he was an underrated coach, and they're going to miss him. So, yeah. and then with the question marks in goal, so it's the back end where the question marks are, right? The the, the go in goal and uh, on defense. So. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, 5-4 games and stuff like that, which is exciting for the fans, but not always exciting for the coaches. I think I read somewhere in Grant McCagg's top 60 to go in the NHL draft, I think 54 of them went in the top 60. Is that right? I think that's what I read. Is that correct? Oh, I actually, I didn't count it up, but that's probably... I think I read that. I think, you know, you had you had 54 of the 60... And we know you had the number one, and uh, we know you had Shane Wright at four. So, you know, the month of July has been your month. So congratulations to you. It's been a great month for recruits and recruits.ca. You can sign up to his publication because if you weren't sold on it before, I guess you're going to have to be sold on it now. Uh, he could be right once, and you might think he's lucky, but if he's right two times or three times or 54 out of 60 – well, then that means at a certain point that he knows what he's doing and he's pretty good. If he wasn't, I wouldn't get him on the podcast. Grant, thanks for thanks, doing Tony. this, man. I look forward to talking to you soon. Always appreciate it, Tony. You're very welcome. He's Grant McCagg, former Montreal Canadian scout, now with Recruits and Recruits.ca. I'm Marinero, the sick podcast. Tell your friends about it. The entire city is talking about the sick podcast. We're gaining momentum each and every day. Why? Because what I told you from the beginning, the podcast was going to be sick. And another reason, I don't play to lose. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>